Let's pray. Father, we thank you. You're a, a truly awesome God, that there is no limits to you. Lord, that you love us more than the drops in the ocean. You love us more than, Lord, than life itself, because you gave us Jesus. And we pray today that you will, Lord, begin to set us free, to break any strongholds of the past, things that have held us back, and start to change us and mold us and take us forward to all that you have for us. God, we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I had the privilege this week of holding my baby, Isabella. No, she's my baby. I don't even think she's hers, but no, she's all mine. And she is very beautiful. You know, you look at her and she's a picture of innocence and perfection. Maybe I'm a little bit biased, but you know. But as I, as I thought about her and as I thought about sharing today, I started to wonder, what does life have in store for her? She's two days old, but what does the future hold for her? You know, we say the world is our ice oyster, and yet Isabella's lives are gonna, is going to be shaped by the decisions that her parents make and the decisions that she makes. And hopefully somewhere in there her grandparents get a say. But her life is no different to our lives. Our lives are shaped by the decisions we make. Where you are right now is the result of decisions that your parents have made, that other people in your life have made, and that you have made. I thought, you know, as I've gone through life, I've met some really amazing people. I've met people who have influenced nations. I've met people of great wealth. I've walked the slums of Thailand and, and met people who are impoverished and rejected. You know, I met a, I told you about this, but I remember meeting a guy in Thailand who when his family found out he had leprosy, they covered him in petrol, threw straw over the top of him, covered the straw in petrol, put tin over the top of that, and set the whole thing on fire. This was his family. And he managed to crawl out and survive. And I find that as I meet people, regardless of where they are in life and what they go through in life, that people really are the sum of the decisions they make, that the choices they make have led them to where they are. And people say, oh, it's all right for them, you know, they were lucky, they were born into this situation or they were born into that situation, but everybody ends up where they are as a result of the decisions they make. But one thing I constantly find is that 
People never ever rise to their full potential. You can be sitting there and, and talking with people and, and going through stuff, and, and I find that particularly over the last 10 years in working with people who are learning to become managers and leaders in their organisations, I often get the opportunity to sit down and do one-on-one talks with them, and they do this assessment process, and then I do a one-on-one sit-down with them, which sort of you know, reads their book a lot. It's quite a good process. And because I'm the guy from outside that nobody knows, they tend to just open up and pour out and, and tell me everything because I can tell them most things anyway from, from their stuff. But I find that people have these hopes and dreams, but they don't believe that they can fulfill them. They don't believe they're good enough to do them. They don't believe they have the ability to do them. That someone out there always has more ability and more potential, and therefore, I can't do it. (coughs) And so they make a choice to settle. They make a choice to stay where they are. I remember talking with one girl who... She said she wanted to be a manager of a branch in a bank. And as we got talking and I asked her why, she said, because I want to make that salary. And it wasn't that fantastic a salary, but she wanted to make that salary. I said, why do you want to make that much money? She said, I don't know, I just always wanted to do it. And as we started to unpack it, it turned out she didn't want to be a banker at all. She actually wanted to be a nurse. I said, well, you know what? If you're a nurse after a couple of years, you would make that salary. Really? Yes. So why do you work for this bank? Why are you here doing this? And she couldn't give me a good reason. But in her head, the choice said that if I achieve this, then I have achieved what my life is about. But the reality is she wouldn't have, because she always wanted to be a nurse. And so I sat down and we went through a process of how she could actually go into nursing. She'd made these choices, and people around her had made choices, and she'd allowed those choices to dictate where she went and what she was doing. And it created this barrier in her life that all she could see was, I need to be a manager of a bank and make X amount of dollars. She became the sum of choices that others made and that she made. She became what her past dictated she should be. Now, your past is really powerful. One wise man says to be very careful about your past. Because what you do in the past determines your future. Where you are is a result of decisions you made in your past. If you don't like where you are, then stop making those decisions. It's as simple as that. But it's not that simple, is it? Because we look at our life and we go, how do I get out of the situation I'm in? How do I get out of this? And we see ourselves as we are. 
We see ourselves determined by the decisions we've made. We see our failings. We see our weaknesses. And we allow them to dictate where we are and where we're going. Let me give you an example that, that might help you with this. This is lighthearted but a little painful. A few years back, Anna and I decided we were going to go start going to a gym. That wasn't the funny bit. <laughs> the local gym had this amazing you know, dollar specials, and I always think that gyms really should look at their prices because if they lowered their prices, they would have more people paying them for not going. <laughs> Makes sense, doesn't it? You know? Why charge $30, $40 a month when you can get paid $20 for, not, for people not turning up? <laughs> anyway, they had this really great special and I was on this amazing health kick at the time and, and you know, driving and that was my decision. But it was actually a really big, I mean, it was such a good special, it was costing me about $12 a month. All right, so it was just like, you know, how can you resist that? If I never turn up, it's $12 a month. <laughs> but I made a decision that if I was going to pay this, we we're going to go, and Anna and I sort of made a deal together. We were going to go at least three times a week to this gym. Now, that sounds like not a big decision, but for me, it was actually a really, really big decision. Because, you see, when I was in high school, I was really small. In fact, in my high school year, I was probably the second smallest of all the guys. And it wasn't until I hit year 12, halfway through year 12, I just absolutely shot up. And the reason, and I knew, and the thing about being small is that I wasn't just small, I was pretty weedy as well. I wasn't strong. I didn't realize I was small until later. And people would say things, and I'd go, I didn't think I was that small, but apparently I was small. But the other side of being small was that strength was not a big part of my life. All right? I could run. I used to win the cross-country stuff. Um, I played soccer, and I, they would put me in the midfield where you just got to keep running up and down the whole game. And I could run. I had no problems with that side of things. Look, I even played basketball because I didn't know I was small. <laughs> hey, no one told me. <laughs> but I wasn't strong. And I can remember about year 10, year 11... Um, that part of the phys ed program was that we had to do weights. And there was this guy in our class who I'm sure had been kept down a couple of years and was probably on steroids. I mean, the guy had a moustache <laughs> in you know, year 11. I mean, seriously, a full-grown moustache. And he was built like the brick dunny. He was one solid guy. And so, you know, he would be first to go on the weights, and so, you know, I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm intimidated. Because he was lifting my body weight. And that one event intimidated me so much that I didn't want to be involved in weights. Because I saw myself as a failure when it comes to doing weights. I, didn't, and I wasn't in a world where people did weights, so I didn't understand how the whole weight thing worked. You know, I knew other sorts of fitness really well. You give me something to do with running or distance or endurance, no worries. You know, I used to get up at six in the morning and go for a run for about 10 k's. But when it came to weights, I knew absolutely nothing. I knew I could do a couple of push-ups and that was about it. And so I was intimidated by my past. 
And so when people said, oh, we're going to the gym, we're doing this and that, I'd not be there. But I had to face my past by joining this gym. And I thought, you know what? Look, I'm going to go. I'm just going to tell a guy I know nothing. And so I did. I went to the gym and they took me through the circuit and everything else. And I learned how to do all the bits of apparatus and lift weights. And it wasn't so bad. And as you can see, so by my awesome body before you, that, you know, it's a big part of my life. <laughs> That's me. That was me. Then I built some muscle and just moved a bit, that's all. But by going to the gym, I discovered that weights were nothing to be feared. What I really feared was my past. What I really feared was what others would have thought of me at that time. Now, the cross trainer at the gym, that's to be feared, but that's another story. (laughs) Not good experiences there. But as I thought through this, you know, we all have that thing. We all have fears from our past. We all have things in our past that dictate to us what we can and can't do. It's the voice in your head that says, you really think you should do that? You really think you should take that step? You know, it could be maybe you tried something and it didn't work out. And so you don't want to go and try that thing or anything else again. You know, you might have stepped into some sort of business idea or tried some new venture or whatever it is, and it didn't work. And the result of that is, oh, look, I don't want to go there again. I can't do that. It could be where cases where there was physical or emotional abuse, and you carry the scars of that situation, and it stops you from moving forward. It can be a case maybe where there's there's sin in your life that, that becomes like a habit in your life, keeps coming over and over again, and, and you keep facing this, and, and it's whenever you feel like you want to move forward, all you see is that. And you find yourself in this circle of going nowhere. You're at this level, and that's it. The feeling is that you're not good enough, that you can't make it. There's a voice in your head that, that says, just don't go there. And what often happens is that when we don't go that level, when others try and do things, we become critical of them. Oh, they'll never do it. I've got got people who, I don't know if I'd say they're in my world, but they're around my world, who, you know, they're so negative, as the saying goes, you put them in a dark room, they would develop into a photo. And all the older ones got the one, the new ones going, what? They're so negative, they drain the life out of a battery. How's that? (laughs) You know, it doesn't matter what is in their life, they'll tell you what's wrong. And they've never done anything themselves that you would say, wow, that's fantastic. But they're happy to tell everybody else how they can't. And they're an expert in everything. You usually find them at the football. Yeah, it was a perfect weekend until the Dockers won. <laughs> Not going there. We'll edit that out of the thing. 
But often what happens is, is things like depression accompany our fear of the past because we get stuck in this level. You know what I'm talking about, getting stuck? And this fear, and, and when you, when you, if you really thought about the fear, it's not rational. But it's powerful because it takes control of your emotions. And you tend to react with it. People say, why are you reacting so strongly? Why are you getting upset? Why don't you just do this? And you know what you can do to move forward, but it's like it's too hard. You know, maybe it's, I want to go and study this, but it's just too hard. I don't want to put the work in. I don't want to put the effort in. Is that because you don't put the effort in, or is it because you're afraid you'll fail? You know, I want, you, know, you, you have this desire, you had a dream once to step out and to do something, but you don't want to step out and do it because you're afraid or because you don't think you're good enough, because your life is constantly before you and you're aware of your weaknesses. And this is the thing, no one's more aware of your weaknesses than you are. And Satan, who's called the prince of this world, loves to remind you of them. And he will bring up irrational emotions and irrational feelings. I mean, why was I afraid of a set of weights? The only way they're going to hurt me is if someone picks them up and drops them on me. There was no rationale to my fear. The only thing that would affect was my ego. I want to share with you how you overcome fear, how you overcome your past and move forward. And it's really, really easy, but it's really, really hard at the same time. Because this is actually how you overcome depression. This is how you overcome a poor self-image. This is how you overcome blockages in your life. Now, I just want to be really clear here that there's there's two areas here, and I'm going to focus on one side. The other side is a different situation. There are, there are um, curses that can come down through your family. All right? I'm not going so much into that area today. That's a whole other area. But if you want prayer around some of the stuff like that, we can do that at the end of it, end of the service. But there is often, you know, it says that when a curse is on a family, it will go to the third and fourth generation. So it's really important to break those things off your life. All right, you know, and, and that's things like um, I remember one guy, um, you know, his great grandfather, his grandfather, and his father had all died of a heart attack around 50. And so the guy gets to 48, and what's going through your head? That's a generational curse. There is no logical reason why every male should die at 50. Unfortunately, he was in a church where he had a pastor who was, understood these things and they prayed with him and worked with him and he, and, and he was fine. But that's a generational curse. You know, your great-grandfather, your grandfather, your father and your mother, whatever it is, you know, all lived in poverty and so you live in poverty. You see, we, we see these things in the generation before and we speak them over our lives. And we allow the curse 
to carry on through the generations. You've got to break those things off your life. That's one side. And we'll deal with that later on. If you feel like that's part of your life, then you can come forward in the service and we'll pray with you and we'll break those things off your life. I want to talk about the other side because you need to do that, but you also need to do this. And this side is the hard work. It's actually really easy, but you've got to be consistent in it because if you're not consistent, it doesn't work. And this is the the amazing thing about the Christian walk. If you want to live a victorious life, if you want to be all that God made you to be, you have to be consistent. And you can't start at the end. You have to start where you are. It's an incredible thing, isn't it? Every journey begins where you are. And if you don't like where you are, then begin the journey. Yeah? It's pretty logical, isn't it? All right. But let let me take you through. This is something I discovered a few years back and has been increasing more and more in my life. I have my phone for a reason. All right. God's Word says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, thanks, Beck. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. The reason that we get stuck in our lives, that we can't leave the past behind, is because we're always thinking about it. What you think about is what you become, Proverbs says. If you think of yourself as a failure, if you think of yourself in a certain way, then that is what you become and that is where you stay. And this is, this is how you deal with problems in your life. You see, when you live in faith, this is why God says to speak the solution, not the problem. Because when you speak the problem and focus on the problem, all you see is the problem. And if you spend every day just focusing on the problem, like, you know, maybe you don't have enough money to pay a bill. You know, got a mortgage payment coming up and you can't afford it. All right? What do you focus on? You focus on the mortgage payment. How am I going to pay that? Oh, yeah. And you turn it over and we start to what? We start to worry. And what does the Bible say about worry? You know, worry is a sin. Because we're told, do not worry. So every time you worry, you are sinning. Because what is worry? It's the absence of faith. If you are worried about something, then you do not have faith that it will turn out right. You are expecting the worst. And you are focusing on the worst, not on God. Does that make sense? That's why worry is a sin. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God, Hebrews says. So if you are worrying, you are not in faith. You can't be worrying and in faith at the same time. They're opposites. Just like you can't be in a dark room that's lit up at the same time. Light and darkness can't coexist. Worry and faith can't coexist. And see, what we do is we sit in the past and we worry. Why are you worried about that mortgage payment or that bill or whatever it is? Because in the past, you've had an experience 
or someone's told you of their experience in the past. This is why Paul says, forget the past. Because when you remember the past and the negatives of the past, you start to worry and you start to live there. And you don't live in faith, you live in fear. And what you focus on is what you become. And if you are meditating on the past, you are meditating on the fear, then you become what was the past and what was the fear. And you bring it into the present. Why do we do that? I mean, how stupid are we? We do it, don't we? God tells us to do this, and so we go and do the opposite. The key is to leave the past behind and reach forward. Does that sound like faith to you? Faith is going forward. Faith does not look back. In fact, Jesus said any person who puts their hand to the plow, in other words, they start their journey forward and looks back, is not worthy of the kingdom of God. So anybody who lives in worry is not worthy of God's kingdom. Scary thought that, isn't it? Why? Because you're not in faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God, so therefore you are not pleasing God by looking back. Thank God for his grace, eh? So how do you get around this? You look forward to the prize. You start to speak over your life what God has made you already to be. You see, because everything in God's word has already been done for you. You just have to appropriate it into your life. God cannot heal you any more than the healing he's given you. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he died on the cross and took all your sickness. He is not going to die again. When Jesus died on the cross, he took all your sin. He's not going to die again. You can't crucify him again. He's actually given you everything you need to live a successful life. What we have to do is start to receive it and appropriate it into our life. You know, if I was, if I was cold and someone gave me a jacket and I walked across the front here and I draped the jacket over my arm and I talked and talked and I put the jacket down on the seat and I kept talking about how cold I am, would you think I was stupid? You'd be going, put the jacket on. You've got all you need to be warm. Put the jacket on. That's how it is with God. He's saying, put my word on. I've given all you need to overcome it. Put my word in. Let me tell you a really easy way to do this, but you have to be consistent for it to work. Because you see, it's, it's a bit like the fig tree that Jesus cursed. You know, he spoke to the fig tree and he said, you know, I curse you, die, no more fruit on you, you're gone. And the disciples looked at the tree and it was still fine. But what was happening deep down in the roots? The tree was starting to die. Deep down on the inside, it was starting to die. And when they came back a bit later, 
the tree was dead. They couldn't see anything when they first started speaking, but it started happening on the inside. It's the same with this. When you start speaking the word of God over your life, you may not see anything happen, but deep down on the inside of you, it's starting to change you. But you've got to be consistent. And you can't go back. You can't worry and be in faith. You can't have a bit of this and a bit of that. What I do every single day is I have this list of things that I wrote out based on God's word about who I am in Christ. Here's a couple of them. And I speak these every morning, whether I feel it or not, whether I'm feeling that way or not, whether I'm tired or full of energy, whether my coffee has kicked in or not, it doesn't matter how I feel, I speak these things over my life. I speak things like, I am a new creation in Christ. My old life has passed away. All things have become new. So when the devil comes and tries to say, ah, you did this, I'm going, I'm a new creation in Christ. And when I speak it every morning, it starts to get into my head and it starts to get into my spirit. And suddenly I find myself throughout the day, I'm saying and drawing on those things because I'm saying them every morning. It says, I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. It starts to change my perspective. I'm not this low down, uh, I reign with Christ. I am more than a conqueror. I can overcome anything that comes my way today because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I have a whole page of them. I just went through scripture verses and I put I in there. You're allowed to do that. It's called appropriating scripture to your life. It's not supposed to be God's word out there and we're over here. I changed all the you's to me's. And I start speaking these things over my life. And they change my perspective about how I'm going. When I'm having a lousy day, sometimes I'm still working on this, I pull it back out because it's on my phone. It's on my tablet. I just put it up on the cloud so I can pull it down anytime I like. And occasionally I just keep updating little bits of it. You know, if you're struggling financially, then get a whole lot of the finance ones. That the blessing of the Lord on my life brings wealth and he adds no trouble or work to it. I like that. I don't have to work extra for God's blessing on my life. I started speaking that and a few weeks later I got the idea of how to refinance our finance and we actually redid all our debt that we had and we're $18,000 ahead every year. That's an $18,000 pay rise. Tax-free. We're going to Europe next year. <laughs> you know, the Bible says things like, whatever I put my hand to prospers. So you might be going to work going, oh man, I never get a promotion. Oh, I do all this work and nobody sees it. Stop speaking the rubbish over your life. Oh, I've got to go and deal with that person. Man, whatever I put my hand to prospers. Whatever I do works. You don't know what to do about situations? Start speaking. I have the mind of Christ. I know the mysteries of heaven. Do you know that? 
you know, it's really funny. I was reading something the other day, and, and we just get it so wrong. And it had this verse, and, and this guy was talking about how, you know, we don't know the things. And he's talking about, it says, you know, that the mysteries of heaven are hidden. But the next verse says who they're hidden from. It says the mysteries of heaven are hidden from those who don't know God. And then he goes on for another five verses talking about how we know what the mysteries of heaven are. And this guy took this one little bit and wrote this big article on, you know, oh, we don't know heaven, and, you know, there's things that we don't know about God and blah, 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 blah. No, we don't know them, but we can find them out. You know that? You have the answer to every situation you face. <coughs> I'm hearing of one guy during the Vietnam War. And, um, and he was, um, he was uh, one of the commanders, and he had one of his, one of his um, battalion troops, sorry, one of his platoons, whatever they call them, was out. And um, the guys called back in, and they said, we're in trouble. We're actually surrounded on every side, um, and we're taking heavy fire. We're pinned down. We can't move. We don't know what to do. And they were in an area where they couldn't send in an airstrike because it just wouldn't be effective in the whole situation and probably take them out as well. And this guy said, I don't know what to do. And he's the commander. And so he stepped out of the booth for a minute and started praying in tongues. He said, God, I have the mind of Christ. I know the mysteries of heaven. Tell me what to do. And this idea pops into his head and he goes back in and he gets back on the radio and he says to the, the guy on the other end, he says, are you a Christian? And the guy says, yes, I am. He says, I'll tell you what what I'm going to do. We are going to bomb every location around you except the direction the wise men came from. And I want you to head in that direction when we start bombing. And the guy said, absolutely. Because the wise men came from the east, right? Because they were worried about the radio being monitored and everything else. They didn't want to say which way to go. And so they did. They started bombing that area. huh? And these guys walked out to the east. Not one casualty. So you can know the mysteries of heaven. You can have amazing creative ideas that will change the world around you. And we often sit there and think, God, just give me something. He says, I have. I've given you my spirit. I've given you my word. Why don't you take what I've already given you and start using it? Oh, but that's not what I mean. What an easy idea. Isn't that what we're like? We want something that's going to all happen now. I want to put it in the microwave for 10 seconds and then it's all done. God made microwaves. He's not a microwave God. He's too big. He wants to transform you so that you can actually transform lives around you. He made you to be spectacularly awesome. And if he dropped that massive blessing into your hands, you wouldn't know what to do with it anyway because your self-esteem says that you can't do anything with it. And you wouldn't have the wisdom and the knowledge to know how to handle it. This is why 80, 90% of people who win lotto within two years are bankrupt or worse. Because they don't have the wisdom and the knowledge to know how to use it. So he says, you get the wisdom and knowledge, you put that in your life, I'll give you the blessing. That's how God works. He's not stupid. 
but it takes every day. Just write them out. Sit down. Do it yourself. You don't have to have some big guru spiritual guy go, oh, I write this all out for you, yeah. <laughs> just write them down. Just sit down. And you know what? I write it out, and then I sit down, and I start speaking them. And you've got to speak them. You can't just read them. You've got to speak them. Because you know what? Your inner ear is connected to your nervous system. Did you know that? God knew what he was doing. And so when you speak, your voice goes straight to your inner ear, straight to your nervous system, which is connected to your brain. And it starts to reprogram your whole body. God's smart, isn't he? And so when people speak those things out there and you start to hear them and believe them, they start to program you. But when you start to speak, your voice and your words have more power because they go straight to your central system. So you've got to speak it, not just read it. All right? So you get them and you write them out. And you know what? You'll sit on the second day and go, I don't like that. I want to reword that. Do it. Just take those verses that you know. Look them up if you don't know. Take time to find out. And every day, get up in the morning and speak them. Before you go to bed at night, speak them. I have problems at night when I start to speak to them because I start to get excited. And I start to sort of, you know, wow, get ideas and things flowing. So I sort of have to tone down my nightly speaking a little. Because <laughs> I don't sleep much. My wife looks at me and says, turn the light out. <laughs> Sorry? Yeah, it's more like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> she's a grandma now. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny though, like even having grandchildren, I don't want to call myself a grandfather because in my head that sounds old. It's all right, great grandma. <laughs> the great nanny. <laughs> It's all about how you say it, isn't it? <laughs> the great nanny. And so I'm trying to find a word that describes me without me feeling old. So I'm going with that. Because what you speak is powerful. You want to break your past, you've got to do it one word at a time. You have to do it one word at a time because when you start to speak the word of God, this amazing thing happens. You start to get transformed on the inside and the angels start to go to work on the outside. And God meets you at that point of blessing. He's already waiting there. He is not going to come over to your worry. You have to step over to his blessing because he's already given it. We just got things so backwards in church. I say we start getting them forwards. That we leave the past behind and start going forwards towards the prize. Because it's already ours. You actually can't fail. Did you know that? Things may not turn out as you expect, but you can't fail. You can just keep getting back up again and keep getting back up again and keep getting back up again until you see that breakthrough. And it starts by what you speak into your life. So here is my challenge. Your job today, not tomorrow, 
Your job today is to go home and to write down at least five promises of God over your life. To take at least five areas where you are worried and say, what does God say about this? Write them down. And then my challenge to you is, are you really going to push forward and speak them over your life every day? And your list will start getting longer and longer. I'm up to a full page. All these statements. I know it's a full page because the program I was using originally only had one page allowed on it and it wouldn't let me go on to the next page. So I changed programs. <laughs> so I'm probably over a page. Sorry? I, and there's actually a new, there's a, there's a really cool new app out. It's called Shut Up Devil. <laughs> All right? If you go through my Facebook, you'll find it on my list because I reposted it. Or you can go through the apps. It's a free app. And this app is actually designed, if you're facing a difficult situation, it has God's word that applies to that situation. So you can actually go through, and if you're struggling with, you know, I know, financial problem or sickness or something like this, you can go to this app, you can flick down, it's free, go to that thing, and it will give you a verse to speak over that situation. It's good for short term, I want long term. Long term is you need to write out your own confession. Because it's your words then, not someone else's. See, I could share mine with you, and that'd be all right, but there's something powerful about you writing out your own confession and speaking that over your life and changing how you see yourself and who you are. Because you start to believe your own words. Now, the other side is you have to be careful how you speak. The Bible makes no room for idle words. And those idle words are those things where you say, oh, this about yourself, oh, that about yourself, oh, I'm stupid, oh, I'm such an idiot. You keep saying it, you believe it. Oh, I always get a cold every year. Oh, duh. Oh, I keep getting sick. I mean, I see it, and I sit there, and the hair on my back of my neck sits up and because I hear people do it, you know. Oh, I've got this problem. Oh, I've got that problem. You know, oh, I can't do this because I've got that. My whole body just goes, settle down, Phil, settle down, Phil. Because I just want to grab them and just slap them across the face and go, are you really that stupid? You're a Christian, aren't you? But we do it, don't we? We speak stupid things over our life and then wonder why they happen. Blah. We have to change how we speak. And it starts every morning by speaking the word of God. And you'll find, you'll do it, and then you'll find yourself catching yourself. Oh, gee, I keep saying that. I've got to stop doing that. And you'll start to change how you speak. And your circumstances will start to change. It won't happen overnight, but it will happen. <laughs> it's consistency. This is called applying the word of God to your life. You know, the Bible says don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. This is step number one in doers. You know, if you've got an anger problem, I am full of the Holy Spirit, so I am patient. 
I keep getting angry. No, you don't. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is I am patient. <laughs> That's all right. You can laugh. Does it make sense? Does it sound easy? <laughs> the most important question is, are you going to do it? Because, you know, a really sad thing, a really sad statistic, it's not a fact, it's a statistic, is that when you talk about this stuff in training, you know, you, with training you don't want to get too, in, you, you don't, just don't want to get too involved in what you do because you realise that about 5% will actually do what you say. You know that? 5% will actually go and do what you say. So when all the management training I'm doing over the last 10 years, of the hundreds of people that have come through, 5% actually do it. That's a really bad stat, isn't it? That means 95% have missed an opportunity to be a better person. You know why? Because they're afraid. Are you going to be afraid? Or are you going to become who God made you to be? Because as you start to speak those things, you will start to change how you see yourself. And when you change how you see yourself, you'll change how you see your God. And when you change how you see your God, then nothing can stop you. Yeah? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are awesome. that nothing is impossible with you. That, Lord, you made us to be the head and not the tail. You made us to be above and not beneath. I thank you, Father, that you have richly blessed us in every way so we can be generous on every occasion. I thank you, Father, that we are filled with your Holy Spirit, that we can walk in your love and your joy. Your peace and your patience are a part of our life. That we are self-disciplined, and self-controlled, that whatever we put our hand to, Father, prospers. I thank you, Father, you have anointed us through Jesus Christ to preach your word, to speak out into the lives of those around us. I thank you, Father, when we pray for the sick, they are healed. I thank you, Father, you have given us favor in every situation and with all that we mean that you be glorified through our lives.